Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Notable Peeps podcast, a series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming true. Welcome to the Notable Peeps podcast. My name's Steph, and I'm so excited today because it's my first international podcast. So today I'm talking to Hannah Jarvis, and she is in recovery for eating disorder. And her Instagram posts are so honest, and I just wanted to start by, by sharing one of them before we talk to her. It says, sometimes when things get uncomfortable, I fall back on bad habits. Actually, it's pretty much like breaking a leg. You might get your cast off, but after a few days, it starts hurting again, so you start to use your crutches. You walk with them for a few days, learn how to balance, and trust yourself again. Before leaving them in the past, addiction is pretty similar in that sense sometimes. The recovery element is leaving the crutch in the past, but remembering the components that help you balance. So for any of you struggling with addiction, or more specifically relapse today, I can promise you that you can choose to use this moment as something better, something that teaches you about yourself and that leads you closer to the life you love. I know the moment that you start accepting rather than hating, understanding than questioning, everything will change. Love yourself first, please. And it's posts like this that that really made me want to interview Hannah today. So we're Skyping her right now and let's see where it goes. How are you doing, Hannah? I'm amazing, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thanks for being on. And you live in London. I do indeed. A very snowy London today. Oh, it's nice and snowy. And Hannah is a big advocate of mental health awareness, and she also is in recovery for eating disorders. And so we're going to talk about some personal things today, but I am I really appreciate that you're willing to, to share your story and, and to talk about it. Of course, of course. So to start, I just wanted to ask, so you you talk a lot about on your website about like binging and and so for you what is a binge let's just dive right in yeah okay so I've personally experienced bulimia for about nine years now and bulimia is really like categorized by well it's an extreme overindulgence and then a method of purging and for me that was self-induced vomiting but for a lot of people it can be over exercising but a binge in particular is a period of excessive indulgence for me more of an out-of-body experience like with a very irrational immediacy behind it and more a form of self-destruction more than anything it was nine years ago that you started yeah that's a long that's almost a decade of your life and you talked about sort of that out of control or not yeah what what did you say to describe it it was it's like irrational immediacy and it's like a out-of-body experience out-of-body yes that's what I was looking for that out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. and so so when you're in the moment that's what it feels like and is it sort of like whatever problems you have aren't there in that moment almost it's 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 like you're numbing a thought or you're numbing an experience that you don't you don't want to necessarily deal with it in that time but but it it does become more of an addiction more than anything I mean I didn't start my eating disorder just right off the bat it was kind of a process and and as I fell more and more into it it became more and more severe I was just thinking about when I was younger you know like different friends we would try different things that we would be like okay we aren't gonna eat at all today you know Mm -hmm. or after a meal we would try to throw up and so so did it start because of your friends or how did it it really 
it's crazy, isn't it? I think there's so, so many of us experience some kind of disordered eating and it's like there's no kind of open dialogue there to remind us that that's not it's not normal to be yeah. that way. But I mean, for me, it it kind of crept up on me, if I'm honest. I, I didn't really see it coming. And before I knew it, five years had passed and, and I couldn't stop. But I mean, there was definitely multiple factors that contributed to it. I think it's it's a matter of who you surround yourself by. It's what you see in the media. It's little seeds of doubt that gets planted and before I knew it I was way too far gone to help myself really. So Hannah you shared this uh, Instagram post it was last March and I really just love it you say so it's you Mm -hmm. in a swimming suit and it says hi curvy body hi love handles that you used to scare me hi back fat and flabby tummy you rock you gave me back the energy of life that I once lost I owe you my life. And, and then you said, today I look in the mirror and smiled. It's no longer a case of telling myself that I love myself. I actually believe it. And I just love that. Yeah. I think there needs to be more representation in the media of just normal body shapes and normal sizes. Even the plus size models these days, they still fit a really like kind of, we know what to expect when we see the curvy mod- models. They're still beautiful they're still fitting this ideal of you've got to have big boobs a skinny waist and large hips and it's it's still an unattainable goal for a lot of people and even myself I I can't represent a lot of the nation so I just think the more that can be done to kind of just have every everybody's everyday voice heard I think that's really really important so if I can do my bit then that's amazing so I just wanted to talk a little bit let's go back to to binging so what what triggered Mm -hmm. you to binge Bulimia is is a period of yo-yoing. I would spend days in starvation and then days in this binging mindset. But you'd you'd often be riddled with guilt and in in the aftermath, and that's when you'd end up purging. And for me, it was a cycle that would happen double figures every day, and it was something I absolutely couldn't stop. So, did your family and friends sort of have a clue what was going on, or? Um, no. So in, initially, I think there was there was probably a period of four or five years where it was all done in secrecy, and that's that's one of the main problems of, about eating disorders is that they are very secretive, and you get very very sneaky. And my ability to hide it was pretty remarkable, actually. I'm surprised that no one knew, but. Um, it really wasn't until I decided that I had to help myself that I started to be honest and tell the people that were around me. How was that experience to be like, okay, I have have this this disorder? Yeah, I think I realized that I either had to ultimately come clean or I was going to kill myself at the end of the day. I mean, eating disorders are fatal. And if you if you let them kind of manifest on their own, the damage that you do to your body is just sometimes irreversible. So I kind of got to the point and I was like, I'm either going to die or I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> And I remember the day quite clearly. I literally told everyone. I, I told all of my friends. I told all of my colleagues. I think I put it on Facebook. I told my school. And I think that process was really, really therapeutic for me because I then had nowhere to hide. I was very, very re- committed to my recovery then. Oh, yeah. That's like super vulnerable to be like, hey, mm-hmm. this is something that I'm struggling with. But then also what? how great to have that community wherever you're at you know your friends your family to tell your colleagues yeah no definitely I think there's so much power in honesty and a lot of people I come across on a daily basis they're crippled by their shame and I think that's why I now use my voice so openly to discuss mental health because there is there shouldn't be shame behind it and the more we have the conversation the more it will be accepted and the more more we realize that we're not alone and did you find that as you started telling people did you find people that 
were like, oh, I've struggled with this as well or? Absolutely. It's almost, it's an epidemic, honestly. The amount of messages I get on a daily basis, it just blows my mind. And I feel like this is an issue that goes way beyond me. But if I can use my voice in any way at all to make a positive change, then it's worth it. And I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. that every time I see that you post, I don't know, you are always a post that I look forward to because you are so real and so vulnerable or you'll post a picture of food and you'll be like, you know, I was terrified of bread, like yeah. terrified of oh bread, my gosh, that it would yeah. make me fat. Seeing that you're able to to eat that and to have have that mindset change. Okay, so let, let's go. So you had talked to your family and friends and then how did you get help? Yeah, so initially I, I had gone to the doctors at the age of 15 and unfortunately because because this is such an epidemic the resources just aren't there and the understanding's not there either and at the age of 15 when I was probably one of my worst in terms of the bulimia I was turned away and told to look online and this was before my parents knew and that was that kind of solidified the fact that I wasn't ill enough I didn't deserve the help but fast forward a few years and I was like okay now now it's really time to commit to this recovery and I thought okay well if the if the doctors aren't going to help me, I'm going to have to really use my support system, my immediate support system to to get the help and do it on my own. So I kind of embarked on my own version of recovery, which didn't turn out to be the best kind of thing because I then ended up losing a lot of weight, fell into other addictions. And I then suffered with orthorexia and probably anorexia as well for the best part of two years. And actually only recently have I started seeking out professional help, but it was kind of a really, really long process and I was I was able to kind of pull myself out of the new addictions myself and realise that life's there, there to be lived and I need to fight to get, regain my normality, which which is where I'm at now, which is amazing. But I have I now do have an amazing therapist and there are doctors that I'm working with, which I'm I'm kind of in the mindset to just grow my knowledge now and use my own knowledge to help others. So that's where I'm at. Uh, so you talked about anorexia, but then what was the other one you said? Ortho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so orthorexia, which is kind of the new newest eating disorder, I guess. It's kind of an on onset of the health clean eating kind of wave, which where you become so scared of everyday foods and you have to eat extremely clean or healthily. And that and that's really where my fear of certain foods came in because I got so convinced that if I ate anything more than vegetables I was going to gain weight or I don't know I don't know where the mindset was coming from but that definitely trapped me oh yeah that's that's interesting I I had never heard of that but I I just look at like with food and and from my own personal experience you know I've used food for for coping and everything and how how when I sort of like let go of food's power and I'm like okay I can have whatever I want but I'm only like I don't know then it's like food's not as exciting and it doesn't like any emotion that I have if I feel like rejected or if I feel sad or like whatever it doesn't do anything and it's sort of frustrating because you're like wait but like this has been (laughs) the thing that I've used to numb you know and then you don't have it yeah no exactly I think a lot of people rely on food and it's almost a normal thing it's like food is there to be enjoyed and obviously we use it to comfort but when it turns into an eating disorder or an addiction it really really cripples your everyday life to the point where well for me personally I didn't really want to live anymore and you are in your early 20s right at this time I am I'm 23 of, and you're beautiful and just like <laughs> watching your videos and stuff you're like funny and charming and and 
just not want to live. That's really hard to deal yeah. with, especially at so being so young. It is, and I think I well, when you're so engulfed in it, you don't see it. You don't see past the your lunchtime or whatever. But now I realize that I've got so much more to add to the world, and if I let let this kind of take over I, I wouldn't be here to tell the tale today so I'm very very lucky and I hope that I can be the voice to so many that are in that place and just tell them that there is light at the end of the tunnel yeah and so you talked about with mental health and like seeking out professionals mm-hmm. and and how have your your therapists and doctors like what tools have they been able to give you now that when you you feel those triggers come how do you mm-hmm. stop those triggers now do you know I think this kind of thing is so bespoke for each and every one of us I think we've got to all find something in our lives that brings us joy and brings us excitement and it's it's not an easy process at all and I mean some days I do succumb to negative behaviors but it's all about learning from them picking yourself up what can you grow from that experience and then move forward and that's probably my biggest thing that I've learned actually is that no no setback is without some kind of wisdom behind it and we can always grow from those those bad moments um for me now I love going outside I love being in the city I love exploring spending time with friends eating out which is something that I would never have done years previously I I love that now so it's just about finding small small things of enjoyment and to be honest some days it gets too much and I just go into bed and that's okay as well it's totally okay to have bad days sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves of like okay no you have to do this perfectly and and be a certain way yeah but sometimes our best varies every day and if your best is to get through the day and to to not relapse to go to bed then that's like a victory exactly and it's totally okay and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to reach out for help and I think it's like what I said everyone's living in shame and I think as as long as we know that we can use our voice then that's 10 steps forward in terms of our own recovery and just being honest with ourselves more than anything is that's really important for me so like with being honest and with opening up to people like what's been the hardest Mm -hmm. thing about that personally probably the biggest hurdle for me is the the feeling that I'm not doing enough and I need to use my voice in a bigger way to do more for the majority of the population that are struggling with this and I feel like some days I wake up and I'm like I am just not doing enough um which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I think I'll use my passion to make some kind of change in the future for sure well and I feel like you're making a change now you said that you get messages from people all the time what have been some experiences that have been memorable from that you know of connecting with people that that are struggling with the same thing Gosh, yeah. No, do you know what? I've actually made some of my best friends through this kind of thing now. Um, I think just by using my honesty, it gives people a safe space to kind of share their own story and be vulnerable. And sometimes that can be the biggest change that they need. So I found a lot of friends through this community, but I've also been able to connect people with support systems. And I have amazing friends in this industry now that are therapists or they're nutritionists or they're health professionals that I'm lucky enough to be able to pass pass on the people that come to me to them which is which is always good because I think my story's great and it's anecdotal but I don't know the professional ins and ins and outs of these illnesses and as I said everyone's different so you all need a different kind of care plan in terms of your own recovery so having health professionals on your side is so so important having people that can relate just forms mm-hmm. that deeper connection instantly where you're like wait you like I don't have to explain this to you you know like where I'm like asking okay what does this feel like or whatever but that they just get it like you don't have to explain it but they they just get it yeah exactly and th- there is a danger with that as well I think when I was in the depths of my recovery when I was really struggling I'd try and 
surround myself as much as I could with normality, which I think is really important when you when you are ill, because if you're surrounded by other ill people, sometimes the perception of what's normal is very, very distorted. And I think it is important to have a support system that can instill really healthy habits in your life. Um, but now I'm in a really good place where I am able to give back and I love giving back. So if my friends are struggling, then I, I do want to be there for them and be able to pull them out the other side, really. And that's a good point of if everyone around you is doing the same thing, then you can sort of rationalize and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Exactly. What do you hope that people learn from your story or like what uh, when you say that you aren't doing enough like what what is it that you want to do with this I think yeah I think I just really want to break down the the barriers and the stigmas between mental health because as soon as we can have the conversation openly everything will get better I think the understanding the support structures need to be more in place because I think at the moment there's there is such a lack of misunderstanding that really the resources are just lost and even like today, if I went to the doctor and tried to explain my battle with bulimia, they, they still don't understand. And I almost feel like I'm going in as the pre- professional, which which is quite dire, really, especially if you're going in a really bad place and you get turned away. So I think just like opening up the conversation, showing that there's no shame in being honest, there's no shame in struggle and that you're OK to have a bad day. But using your voice in a, in a positive way is really empowering and can really help you out of a bad day place so do you feel like in in london that there's not as many resources for eating disorder in terms of the nhs it's very very oversubscribed and i think you have to be in terms of eating disorders you have to fit into this very niche category of extremely underweight really to get to get the help but in reality eating disorders can happen to anyone at any size and i mean throughout my worst battles with bulimia i was a very normal weight so if i'd gone to the doctors then i wouldn't have been accepted because visually i looked i looked okay and and that's a problem because it's a mental illness and even though things such as anorexia and bulimia they do have a physical effect it's more the mental side of things that is is really the problem um i mean there is there is private healthcare as well but it's it's extremely expensive so it's really elitist and only for the people that can afford it which again is it's not really acceptable you have to be at rock bottom before they yeah. even accept you that that's frustrating so in and everything that you're saying that you want to like promote mental health awareness and you want people to know more I guess what is it exactly that that you want people to know just that it's okay to talk about things that and that actually like some of the strongest people that you an, admire have probably been through the same struggles as you and and there's definitely a positive outcome at the end of it I mean for me now I'm I'm self-employed I have a very successful business I live in London things are good and there was once a time where I thought that things needed to come to an end so more than anything just keep going and remind yourself what it is that you're fighting for so what is your business that you have so I have a production company and we make um short format videos really and different advertisements and we work with some amazing brands and it's it's really fun. I'm very very lucky. Oh, that's great! And so you're you're self employed. So can we go a little bit on on this part? Because I mean, this podcast is all mm-hmm. about believing in your impossible, and and a lot of times for people starting a business seems yeah impossible, and especially where you have all the these personal struggles that you're going through. How are you able to transition to being self employed? So I guess it's almost like my recovery journey as well. I was working in an agency for a year and a half and it was really good. It was an amazing agency. I was doing very well in the company and I just woke up one day and I said, I do not want to work for anyone else. And I walked in that day, I handed in my notice and the next day I'd started my business and 
it literally just happened like that. And I think it was just the power of conviction and the power of self-belief that just made it happen. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a business plan. I'm probably every businessman's worst, worst nightmare, but it's it's worked well for me so far. And two and a half years down the line, it's still going strong. So I didn't have a plan. Honestly, it just kind of, it worked and it snowballed. And from there, we, we now did, we worked on Harold's Christmas campaign. One of our main clients now is L'Oreal. So it's going very well. To have L'Oreal be one of your main clients, like, yeah, this is that's going really well. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, no, it is. And what's the name of your agency if people want to contact you? Yeah, so it's it's called Fresh Heather with one H. So we're on Instagram as well, but we do a lot of um, creative content, stop motion, animation, all of that. It's cool that you, you know, with your career, that you have this passion of so you said it's making videos and doing advertising and stuff. Have you wanted to take that and and do something to like do a video to promote eating disorders and mental health and everything we've been talking about? Definitely. There's definitely ideas in the pipeline. But again, I'm one of those people that I'll have to wait until my big idea comes and then, then I'll go full force into it. But I'm kind of there's lots of things in the pipeline and I've got some things up my sleeve that I know will come into fruition this year. Um, but watch this space, basically. And I love I love hearing you saying like there's things in the pipeline because I'm someone that I always have like different projects and they're pretty slow moving at times. But at least like mm-hmm. like you said, they're in the pipeline. They're they're ready to come and so I'll be looking forward to that that sounds great very exciting (laughs) yeah it is so anything that you wanted to add about about your story or um I think just one of my biggest messages is that for anyone out there listening today that is struggling just know that there is so much power in using your voice and even if the first person you reach out to doesn't accept you immediately keep speaking about it keep trying don't give up on yourself because the help is there you've just got to find the right person and are there any groups that you found on Facebook or social media that like are specific to eating disorders that have helped or has it just been individually um yeah, not necessarily any groups. I think that there's some amazing charities that you can reach out to and there's helplines and there's also now online therapies, um, kind of apps and things that you can use. I think there's one called Better Help, which kind of gives you access to therapy anywhere in the world at any time, which I just think is is an amazing um, framework for this kind of thing. Um I do follow some great body positive people on Instagram. I would say like there is so much importance in curating a social media feed that is positive to your life and is going to be life enhancing. Um, I know for me personally, if I wake up every morning and I the first thing I see is unattainable body types or a ridiculously healthy plate of food is probably not the best thing that I need to be seeing. So now kind of all I follow is like dog accounts and camping with my dog because I think that's probably more life enhancing <laughs> for me but yeah I just think there's there's quite a big importance in in the media that you're consuming so that's interesting point so did you go through your media and just unfollow people that that would be more of a trigger for you then definitely even if they were my friends like I th- there's now a button on Instagram I think that you can mute this their Instagram stories and things which I just think is so important because at the end of the day you are the most important person in your life and if someone even if they're your friend if what they're posting is affecting you negatively that it's really really not worth it 
And to be honest, like if, if I feel the need to unfollow a friend, I often just text them and say, hey, I really support what you're doing, but I, it's not healthy for me to see what you're putting out there at the moment. So I have unfollowed you if for any reason you notice. It's not that I don't love you. It's just that I need to love myself. And that's important. It's okay to be like that. That takes courage to say that to someone too. But I love it because sure. it's standing up for yourself. And, and maybe it's a good reminder to that person that you aren't being like, oh, you know, you're only showing the, the best parts of your life but you do it in a way that's loving and kind but but standing up for yourself exactly and it's important I mean you're you're you have to live with yourself for your whole life so you need to make sure that your brain is a healthy place (laughs) but really how many times do people get on Instagram do they get on Facebook do they get on social media and if it isn't a place that they're seeing images that will will bring happiness exactly it's because it's a highlight reel always you're always seeing the best of someone's life and that's why I'm quite passionate about showing the bad parts of my life as well and because they happen to all of us and the more we see this unrealistic ideal the more we'll be comparing ourselves and the the less happy we'll be feeling oh yeah it's so true because even like a couple nights ago I was on Instagram so I love to use Instagram for like networking and you know Mm -hmm. like meeting new people and really like interacting with their their pictures or whatever but when I use it just to scroll or to creep on people that's when it's like a downward spiral when you like go through and you look at like the guy that you used to date and you go through his (laughs) girlfriend's account and you know like or all these people and you're looking at them as just sort of like uh you're bored type of like scrolling through what other people's lives are doing that's when it spirals for me and I don't feel like it's very healthy absolutely I think and it's okay to call ourselves out on that I think nowadays if I find myself scrolling for hours I try and kind of turn my phone off and do something that's more life enhancing like read a book or go outside or speak to a friend that's right in front of me because we can even be sat in a room full of people and no one's talking because we're all looking on social media and it's it's a bit crazy actually and I really like that cleaning up the feed because I didn't even realize I was doing that but I I took Pinterest off my phone a little while ago because Mm -hmm. you know everyone posts like the fitness ones or whatever but it was like everything that I was scrolling was just like these six packs of these ladies and it was just to a point where I was like yeah I don't need it on my phone and it's even it's it's everywhere it's on our Facebook pages it's on it's in the newspapers it's online it's you can't get you can't get away from it but wait the places where you can, I think it's really important to make that conscious effort to try, kind of rid it out of your life. And I mean, for me, I used my identity used to be the food. And when I was trying to regain my personality back, I found it really difficult to to remember what I enjoyed. The more I went on my Instagram and the more I was seeing those images, it just kind of solidified this obsession with food and with fitness and, and health. And that's really not who I was. So now, like I said, my page is either filled with business people or it's filled with dogs or something that makes me smile or adventure um because it's that's that's more life enhancing than something that's gonna just cause comparison as you're talking about food do you still have moments where you'll order something or you'll make something and you'll be like wait I can't eat this so in terms of going out with food I honestly have the best relationship with it and I I couldn't be more grateful for that I think my biggest struggles now probably happen when I'm home alone and I'm know that I'm not the only one that kind of goes through that and it's more of a I've got five hours in front of me what am I going to do and habitually sometimes I go to food and that's okay and I think a lot of people do go go for food in those moments so it's all about kind of now for me constructing a better um, thought process a better habit better habits in my home but in terms of going out I'm honestly 
99.99% happy with my mindset towards that and it's amazing and I actually tend to eat out two or three times a day now which is a bit a bit excessive but I love it and I'm glad that I've regained that foodie in me. Well and you had on your Instagram you have a whole thing about places to eat in London. I'm in southwest London so I visit a lot of places on the outskirts. I've recently discovered a place that has a cookie skillet for breakfast and it's amazing. So, okay, when you say cookie skillet, is this like, we call this pizuki out here, where it's like Ooh. you have a cookie and then it's melted partway and then you put ice cream on it and caramel? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like, one. that's my favorite treat. It's so good. It's so good with a Nutella center. So, so good. Oh, I've never tried it with Nutella. Awesome. Amazing. Game changer. <laughs> Well, I am so grateful that I've been able to talk to you today. And and I think the thing to remember is, you know, now you're in a place where you can go out twice a day and you can eat this food and you aren't thinking, this is going to make me fat or I can't have this white bread. But it's taken a while. It's taken, you said that you've had this for nine years, but like how many years of recovery have you been in? Yeah, it's a massive process. I think so the orthorexia is really what crippled me in terms of eating out. And I think I had that, I had that for probably about two years and it's taken me probably about another two years to get to where I am today. Um, and it's definitely a process of trial and error. Gosh, I still have, 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 have had so many days where I've gone back and forth on myself and questioned where, where I was going and what I was doing. But I mean, as long as your intentions are good and you're, you've got recovery at the back of your brain, then you, you can really achieve anything. Well, and I, I really like that to have recovery at the end of the, at the back of your brain that like, okay, even if you, if you have a day where you didn't have the mind frame that you really wanted or you didn't eat the way that you wanted, but like the end goal is recovery. And, and as long as you're like facing up the hill and, and trying that, that you'll get there. Absolutely. It's so, so important. And you will, with, with even if it takes you years, which it, it's taken me a fair few years, you will get there. And there's definitely a way out. So, well, thank you so much, Hannah. Any last things that you want to, to share or add? Just, that, just to keep believing in you. I think that's the most important message. Well, that is a great message to end on. So, guys, thanks for listening. And remember to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe in the impossible. Thanks so much for pushing play and listening to this episode. For more information about today's guests or to submit a nomination for a remarkable person that you would like to hear interviewed, head on over to NotablePeeps.com. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming.